Welcome, you've got Sarah and Dustin, A1 Custom Car Care. We're having people drag vehicles out of the weeds and bring them in and get them worked on. Yes. So, Sarah, this seems like it's a near and dear topic to you and probably Ryan's heart as it well. It is. So, let's hear it. What do you got? I'm very excited okay. about this upcoming project that we're going to do, and I feel like I'm going to nerd out a little mm-hmm. bit, and I know that you probably oh, yeah. are as well, and I can't wait to send you photos and just show you exactly what we're working with here. Absolutely. But... Basically, what we have is uh, we got a couple of yard ornaments Mm -hmm. out at Ryan's family's farm. And ever since we have been together, we, I at least, have been in love with one of the vehicles that has been setting out in the field, which is a 1972 GMC truck. And it is powder blue. It does have a little bit of rust on it, but it's that type of rust that makes it look even better. So, patina? Yeah, is that what that's, that's called? That's the buzzword. Like when you look at all the hot rod shows and whatnot, a lot of times what they do when it looks cool like that, mm-hmm. they, they refer to it as patina. They clean it up and they shoot clear coat on it so it kind of like freezes it in that stage. It doesn't make it worse. Yep. Yeah. Well, that is definitely what this truck has patina. Yep. And uh, we'll definitely have to put some clear coat oh, on yeah. it so it doesn't rust anymore. But basically, this truck is just... It is, to describe it as a girl, very cute, very oh, adorable. Okay. But very to nice. destri- but to describe it for our male audience, <laughs> yeah. it is what a truck used to be. Absolutely. Very heavy metal. It's not made of plastic. It's got the bench seat on it. It's got the character. It does. Like it is a, it's character. a truck. Yeah. Yes. It's got the square body to oh, it, which yeah. I like the, the square popular. body. And so anyways, I have been harassing my husband for probably four years at really? least to so, pull the so truck. So this is a passion of Sarah's. Yes. She wants this truck up I and do. Running. This is the type of truck that you would take on a Sunday drive. You'd uh-huh. go to church, you'd get your picnic basket, yep. and then you would take your drive and have lunch by the lake. Yeah, That's find the type your little of creek truck. or little little hay field out there yes. and have lunch. Absolutely. But yeah, so... Now that we are in the process of, you know, having a tiny human, Mm -hmm. that is exactly what we've decided that we want to do. We want to fix this truck up and make it a little side project for me and Ryan. But we also want to be able to use it as a farm truck Mm -hmm. because we are starting a hobby farm. And then uh, we want to be able to give it to Alton when he is, you know, 16 or so. And hopefully he'll really be able to love and appreciate it as much as me and Ryan. But that being said, this truck has been setting for several years now. And of course, the reason it was setting was because it got to the point where it had some repairs that needed to be done. Mm -hmm. I unfortunately do not have a list of those repairs. That is something I will probably get to you at a later date. But it does have some repairs. And that's ultimately why it found itself in that field in the first place. But now, since it's been setting... There's going to be other problems with it. I know that it's got some tire rot because it's been setting for so long. And I know that there's, I don't even want to know what's under the hood with, you know, different animals and things like that. But it's kind of overwhelming in a sense because I know that we got to deal with the other repairs, Mm -hmm. but these new repairs as well. So how do you start? How do you like, what is the first thing I need to do? No, this is something that, you know, at, at different points in my career, I've done 
professionally, personally, whatnot. We are not a restoration shop per se, but there's some basics that like blanket throughout the years I've been doing this. It's, you know, this, 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 and this to start. Okay. So knowing the history of what's going on or what the real story was. So for instance, I had a friend of the family been a while back now. They had a vehicle that had a lot of sentimental value to it. And I believe it was like the grandfather's and it was the mom's first vehicle they drove to school or drove around. And then it was passed down and it's going to be the grandson's at this point. So kind of a similar shape of probably what the history of this vehicle was. So it was originally parked because the clutch went out of it. So it's usually a bigger repair that happens of why somebody kind of puts it to the fence row and lets it sit. So initially the discussion was, hey, can you put a clutch in this and, and get it up and going? Well, sure, yeah, that's definitely, you know, it's a big job, but not something we can't handle. But by the time we got in the midst of it, um, the normal stuff has happened. So the tires, to your point, typically dry rotted and ruined. So that's one of the things. Um, when we went to get this one, it actually, the brakes were so rusted and seized and locked up we basically had to drag it out from where it was. And once that happens, and I am I can basically speak from just the information you've told me so far, that typically the brake system has to be gone through. So just as there's rubber components on the tires, there's rubber brake hoses. The calipers are typically seized with the rubber seal inside of them. Obviously, the grease seals, wheel cylinders, shoes, hardware, in that case, drums, I repacked the bearings on it and put a new master cylinder and possibly a new brake booster on it. And that's essentially kind of going through. Um, and it sounds like a lot, and it is, but compared to a late model vehicle with analog brake systems, it's really not that bad. Cost of parts are still fairly reasonable and fairly accessible, but that gets the tires and the brake system, that gets it what I consider a rolling chassis at that point. You can roll it around. It has brakes. It'll stop. The other thing that I would do probably even before that is I see if the the engine is seized up. See if the engine will roll over by hand and make sure that it rolls over smooth. And if it doesn't with a breaker bar, and the easiest way that I do that is on the front of the harmonic balancer, there's a crankshaft bolt. I don't know offhand what size. It'll be anywhere from probably a 17 to a 21 millimeter or whatever equivalent in uh, standard. And I realize that's not a metric bolt, by the way, for all of my purists out there, but it will do the job. But make sure the engine will turn over. If it won't, it's not the end of the world. Um, I would pull the spark plugs out and I would get some kind of a rust penetrating agent inside the cylinders to make sure that the piston rings are not seized to the piston walls or the cylinder wall. At that point, I would let it sit. So hopefully it does roll over by hand. Um, so depending on how long it's been sitting, the truck that I was speaking about earlier had sat for uh, roughly six or eight years, and it rolled over fine. So depending on how long that's been, if the hood's down, the air cleaner's on it, all those are good signs. The air cleaner's off the carburetor and there's any water that's gotten down in there, that could kind of be a pain in the butt. Or if it's got any internal damage, that may make this a bigger thing. But I would start with that. The other thing and the next thing that I would do, and you need to be a little bit um, experienced with this in order to do it, but if that works, I would get a fresh battery in there and see if it cranks over on its own. And then I would be very careful and I would disconnect the fuel because the fuel that's obviously, if there is any left in there, is uh, 
you know, it's probably lacquer at this point. So the combustibility and the acidity level is very, very high. I would disconnect the fuel feed to the filter or, you know, come up with some way to feed fuel to the carburetor and crank it over and see if it'll hit or spark. Um, if it, if we do get combustion and basically it kind of tries to start, you must be careful because sometimes it'll cough fuel back out of the carburetor and can catch things on fire. Unfortunately, I've been a part of that many times over the years. So you need to be a little bit kind of schooled on this or have somebody close to you that's kind of schooled on it. Uh, but see if it'll run. And that'll be kind of your direction at that point in time. So at that point, um, on the last one that I had dealt with years ago, um, the f it actually had a newer fuel tank in it. But with some of the ethanols and things that are in our blends now, it had eaten a hole in that tank while it sat there that six years. So I ended up on that one having to get a new fuel tank, flush the lines. I put a new sending unit in it. I put a new mechanical fuel pump on the engine itself. And I ended up upgrading to an aftermarket carburetor that was a little more friendly than the Rochester carburetor that comes out on a factory. I'm throwing a lot of information at you right That's now. That's okay. I'm over doing? here okay. writing it all down. So that would be kind of my starting point. Okay. Um, do you know if it's automatic or a manual transmission offhand? I believe it's an automatic. It would be so cool if it was a, a manual. Can you drive a manual? Are you a manual? Uh, very lady? little. So Ryan's Danger Ranger was a oh, manual. That's right. Yes. And I learned basics mm -hmm. on how to do it in case he ever decided to cut his hand off <laughs> yeah. and he wasn't able to drive. So I can get it started and I can shift. It's very rough. I yeah. grind gears, but hey, I could get it to okay. Springfield if I needed to. Okay. That's a good skill to have. Um, so if it is a manual, that's, you know, you've kind of got some of the basics. That would be a very good truck to learn in, by the way. Those older trucks were easier to drive than some of our new hydraulic clutches, which is what's in the Danger Ranger. Uh, but if it's an automatic, I'm definitely going to be very curious to see the condition of fluid in the transmission and the level. You have to check that one with it running. Um, the pump needs to be cycling it through the system in order to get a good check on the transmission fluid. And that's most of our automatics out there. So people in, in radio land, that's one of the things we need to be aware of. So um, that's kind of a good basics. Did any of that help? It really did because I know that there is so much that we really need to do on top of the repairs uh -huh. that led it to be in the field in the Absolutely. first place. But it's really good to kind of have an idea of where is that starting mm -hmm. off point. Faux show? Yep. We're going to step into a break. Sarah and I will continue the uh, renovation, I guess, discussion after we get back. Your complete car care solution. A1 Custom Car Care. All right, welcome back. You've got Sarah and Dustin, A1 Custom Car Care. We've had a development. We have. We've had a couple of different do, do, things do, do, here. Do, 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 isn't that the, the noise? <laughs> yes. Well, the husband's texting me uh -huh. while I'm asking these questions <laughs> in live time here. Okay, Excellent. so the first thing is what landed the truck in the field in the first place? Mm -hmm. And it was a head gasket. Okay. And then, of course, there is a number, number of other things that have kind of went wrong as well with it. And then on top of that, it's been setting. So yeah. we're going to have those issues as well. 
Second thing is I asked if it was a manual or an automatic. For some reason, I thought it was an automatic, uh, but I'm clearly a liar, (laughs) and it is not. My husband said it is a four on the floor. It used to be a three-speed on the column, but his mom got tired of driving it like that, so dad put the four-speed in the floor. That's awesome. The so I have three speed on the or four, you know you can have a four speed on the column too but I have column shift manual transmissions come in probably once or twice a year and it's always fun to see one of my young technicians go out there to pull it in uh-huh. and normally they come back in and they're like hey Dustin can you pull this in for me oh no <laughs> it's really not that complicated but to to Ryan's point um, if you don't shift it right sometimes the linkage gets bound up and you're stuck and you can't shift it anymore. And so you have to get out and sometimes lay on the ground, and I'm sure a lady would not want to do that, and pop the linkage apart so you can get it back shifting. So the four on the floor is a definite upgrade. They really don't hang or the linkage doesn't get hung in between, so it's much more dependable. So that's a big upgrade the truck had got, which is great. I'm sure it probably got maybe a clutch at one point in time. Um, so those are all positives for sure. Yay. So when we were talking about automatic versus manual in the last segment we had talked about if it was an automatic Mm -hmm. we would definitely have to check some fluids and we would have to make sure that it was running while this while Mm -hmm. we're checking these fluids so does that change now that it is a manual oh yeah okay um not really uh a huge difference but you don't check it running typically there's a drain on the bottom of the transmission and about halfway up Normally on the driver's side on those older GM products, there will be a plug and it's typically 80-90 gear oil. And you'll want to make sure when you take that plug out that you can at least maybe get a screwdriver or something in there. It should be roughly level with the bottom of that fill hole. And that's most manual transmissions out there. So uh, as long as when you look under there, it's not completely saturated even though it's been sitting or there's not a big puddle there's a good chance that it's going to be full. The robustness of the older manual transmissions was much, much better than some of the older automatics out there. So that's a, a very robust, uh, what you would consider you know, heavy metal, mechanical interfaces. Um, so that's a, a very good situation. On to the head gasket part of it. Um, so that's gonna, I would say, complicate the restoration a little bit, if you will. The heads will have to come off. Obviously the cool thing about that is that's a lot easier than on like later model vehicles. There's not near as much business going on on the top of those engines. Um, you'll definitely probably either have to rehab the carburetor or get a new, uh, replacement carburetor, which is my favorite way to go. I am a big fan of converting from the Rochester to an Edelbrock. They're pretty simple and pretty robust and what I would consider easier to deal with. So when you look under the hood, it'll have like this box right in the middle and that's the carburetor itself. Okay. And so in order to get the heads off and beings that's been sitting, you're going to be taking that off anyway. You'll take the intake off, the valve covers, and then the heads. So in order to get it running, you're either going to have to rebuild or go through that carburetor that's on it while you're doing the cylinder head job, or you just get a different one and put on there, which is what I would definitely recommend. Um, You know, Edelbrock 650 CFM, that's pretty much uh, with electric choke what I think would be the most pleasant for you to drive. 
Um, we're all kind of spoiled now with fuel injection. I mean, literally most of us can start our vehicles from our key fob and it's idling out there even if it's zero degrees. Carburetors are a finicky little beast. And so when it's cold outside, they don't want to idle and you got to adjust the choke and they got high idle in order to get it off high idle. You got to pump the gas and drop the kick down, um, down off high idle and get it to idle. And then if it's too cold out there, it'll choke off and stall. Um, carburetors are a pain in the butt. They really are. Um, but the Edelbrock out of all of them is my favorite one to deal with because I have the most experience with that one and it has been the less of two evils essentially, I guess is a best way for me to say it. I know there's probably a lot of Holly purists out there and Holly makes a great race carburetor in my opinion. Uh, but your daily driver, that's not been really a good, you know, experience. I mean, we could make this into a rat rod. We could. <laughs> we could make it fuel injected. You can do that. So there are plenty of options out there. But get the cylinder heads off, which is a pretty easy job. Uh, well, I say easy. It's not near as difficult as if we were doing it on like a 2000s model Chevy truck. A lot more work, a lot more parts, a lot more cost as well. So once you get the cylinder heads off, make sure the block is in decent shape. You'll actually be able to see the pistons and the cylinder walls. If it's in good, clean shape, you may not have to go any further into the rotating assembly, uh, which would be the pistons, rods, crank, etc. If it's not, and you have really bad scorn cylinder walls, or there's been coolant sitting in there and pitted, you may have to go ahead and pull the engine the rest of the way out and have it what I would consider freshened up. So you'd pull the crank out, pull the rods and pistons out. If it's not horrible, you may be able to hone the cylinders. More than likely, it'll need to go to the machine shop and have some of this work done to make sure that's in good shape. But once you get all that done, it really will be a very simplistic um, vehicle to kind of put together and keep on the road. No computers, essentially. It's all mechanical or, or very little module interaction. So what do you think about all this so far? I think that it's great. I'm really excited to get started mm -hmm. on this. I knew that it would be a little bit easier restoring and a little bit older yes. model because there's not as much technology. I know that it might be difficult to find parts, though. It is getting harder. I've run into that. Used to, these parts were a dime a dozen. I mean, you could literally throw a rock and get these parts. Um, the recent ones, I've had to wait two, three, four weeks sometimes for key parts. They haven't broke the bank, but it did add up much quicker than I thought that it was going to. So prices are going up as well. Is there a specific place that you like to start your shopping when it comes to parts? Yep. So um, I, I like if I can get new old stock is great. Um, it's getting harder and harder to find. Obviously, the longer we go, new old stock basically is that, you know, back in the day, they made, you know, 500 million widgets, if you will, and they only sold 300 million. So somebody out there bought 200 million and they sat on them forever. So you're literally buying 1972 parts that have been on a shelf. That's kind of the new old stock. And you may know all this, but some people out there may not. Uh, so new old stock's awesome. But it, you pay a premium on it because some old boy or some old gal has been sitting on this stock that they've invested in for years. But the easier probably way to go about it is LMC Truck. And they have, I assume they have catalogs. I haven't seen any of their catalogs in a long time. I'm sure that they're out there. But you literally order a catalog and it, I don't want to say it has every nut and bolt. But you open up the catalog and you look at, say, steering and suspension. 
and it'll have this blown up diagram and it'll say, you know, number 52 is your uh, drag link tie rod end and it's counterclockwise or clockwise uh, threaded and that's the part you need. So it makes it very, very easy. The one thing that I will caution, um, actually there's many things, but probably the biggest one that comes to mind is on the old interweb, sometimes you never know what you're getting. So some of these new old stock um, are available and some are not. Some of the aftermarket ones that they have recreated, they don't fit right. They don't work right. There's modifications that have to be done. Um, I had a or I had I have a good customer who had brought us kind of a project vehicle and we had accepted it. It actually took us over two years to complete this. It was a very, very big job. And at one point in time, you know, the level of frustration got pretty high that, hey, I order these parts and they don't fit. Well, we have to spend time either sourcing a different part or modifying that part for it to work because they don't make the factory part for it. And somebody in somewhere across the world who may or may not have good um, standards as far as being able to recreate some of these things, they don't always get it. 100% right and then I got to figure out what we do about it if we can do something about it and then kind of go from there so we had that question and I was able to show him firsthand he's like wow this is really disappointing but I'm not trying to you know pee on your parade if you will but you just got to make sure you're dealing with good reputable vendors and they're going to do the best that they can giving you support after the sale when something doesn't fit or something's the wrong part because um, in this kind of a repair, there's going to be a tremendous amount of parts that are that are it's going to take to get it back and going. So Sarah and I are down at the bottom of the hour. We'll be back in a moment. Your complete car care solution, A1 Custom Car Care. Welcome back. You've got Sarah and Dustin, A1 Custom Car Care. We're kind of talking about a resurrection project, if you will. Does that seem like a fair statement? I think so. And I do want to point this out. Even though this is kind of a Sarah show, if you will, uh, and it's about a specific vehicle Mm -hmm. that we are going to be working on, I was talking to you uh, during the break that this is something that if you are wanting to restore a vehicle that's been setting for quite mm-hmm. some time, this is really kind of a good roadmap oh, yeah. to get you started because it can be very overwhelming. You have the mm-hmm. problem that got the vehicle setting in the field in the first place, and then if it has been setting for years, months, whatever the situation is, um, you know, a lot of things can go wrong if it it doesn't move for a while. So I think that this is really great, especially if you're out there thinking about fixing a vehicle and it's, it'll be helpful. Well, and I see this from time to time, especially, um, you know, as, as gas prices go up, I saw this in 08 where, you know, maybe you owned a vehicle and it was paid off and you decided to get another one and you didn't trade in your old vehicle. And one of two things happens. You sit it there um, until you have a family member or a friend that needs a vehicle. So it could be however long. And then it's like, hey, I got this extra vehicle. You can have it, which is kind of cool. Um, or you get in a situation where whatever vehicle you, you own now, maybe you get an accident or it gets something happened to it. Um, or, you know, in our case, we don't need it anymore. So we sell it and make top dollar off it, which is pretty cool too. And then you have this older vehicle that's been sitting around for a while and, and okay. So why was it there in the beginning, which I think Sarah's done a great job covering and two, what's happened in the meantime. 
So one of the things I probably need to, to bring up is fuel quality and fuel sitting and stagnating in a tank is really hard on things. So sometimes I got to pull the tank, drain the tank, replace the tank, clean the tank. That all hinges on what I find in there. So if it's a very much older vehicle and it's got a lot of rust in the tank, I may have to replace the whole tank. Um, they do make a product out there if the tank is still usable but has rusting issues called Red Coat. Um, it's pretty uh, used in the motorcycle industry because the tanks are smaller and sometimes motorcycles sit for whatever reason. Um, but it can work in a bigger quantity, obviously, on your gasoline, you know, 30 gallon tank versus a three gallon tank. So that's a big thing there. Um, getting good fuel up to it, seeing what's going on, checking the rest of the fluids is always very, very important. Changing pretty much all the fluids because they'll draw condensation and moisture. And then getting it up and seeing whatever else is the new things that are wrong with it. So for instance, um, especially kind of in the rural, but this can't even happen in town, if a vehicle sits very long, mice really love to find and make it a home. Yes, I knew that was going to be yeah. a problem because it is a rural vehicle that has been setting for yep. some time. Also, you might have touched on this already. I don't have it wrote down on my notes, mm -hmm. but I thought about the hoses as oh, well, yes. too, and them deteriorating or mice getting yep. to them. So anything that's rubber, eventually it starts to dry rot. So you see it very obviously on tires. Um, brake hoses essentially are one, coolant hoses to your point, Sarah. Um, the coolant hoses typically deal a little better with it because the um, treatment in the antifreeze for most cases. But if you're going to be driving it and those coolant hoses are 30 or 40, pardon me, 40, 40 years old, you probably ought to go ahead and get some new ones and put in there. Um, I am uh, you know, very familiar with dealing with some of this stuff. And you really kind of need to have an idea of what kind of budget you want to get into this. And so, you know, that initial checkout of what the fuel system is, how the engines, you know, whether it is locked up or seized up, or if it rotates and is in decent shape, what it's going to take to get that going, the cost of changing all the fluids, any mouse or rodent damage, any rubber components pretty much are going to need to be changed. So the budget to start a project like this, it doesn't always have to be huge or do it all at once, but you need to kind of have a plan. And the reason I bring this up is even though I do this for a living and I this is what I live, eat, and breathe, it can be a little bit of an overwhelming project, you know, to figure out how to get it running again, fix whatever the initial problem was that was broken, fix all the seized brake components that are no longer viable and usable, anything else rubber on there. Not to mention anything else you find in there. So whether you make a roadmap and have kind of a list or I'm a fan of like the white dry erase boards, I think it's a kind of a man thing that I like to be able to, I like lists. I very much like lists and I get a ton of satisfaction about crossing or erasing things off the list. I know that's a weird thing. Um, if you guys out there in radio land think that that's weird, you know, let me know, tell us about it. If you're a list person, Tell us about that too. Hey, lists make a big difference. I'm also a list person. Yeah, for sure. You're literally in there too. But I I love being able to see what it is I'm dealing with because if not, you're like, oh, this is broken. This is broken. I don't have parts for this, so I can't work on that. Right. I'm waiting on this or that. I still need this. I haven't diagnosed that. It's really kind of crazy when you take on a project like this. 
I'm very excited. I don't feel I don't feel overwhelmed good, yet. Good, I don't good. because I kind of had an idea of where we were going with this. I knew that there uh-huh. was going to be quite a bit, but I I don't feel super overwhelmed yet. Awesome. So I'm going to throw a curveball at you if okay. we've got just a moment. Mm-hmm. So, um, do you know what an LS swap is? I don't. Okay. So the late model Chevrolets, and I'm not the LS uh, aficionado, uh, but I'm going to say from like somewhere around 06, maybe a little bit older than that, GM went from, you know, carbureted, which is what you have now in, in the truck you and Ryan are talking about, to a throttle body injected, to a port injected, um, and then they went to what they call their LS series engines. And it's very popular in LS swapping everything, but... To kind of break it down at its basic level, if you will, the LS style engine, which would be your 4.8, your 5.3, your 6 liter Chevy engines, are extremely robust and very well refined, if you will. And I don't mean refined like Ferrari or anything like that. I mean to like just works well and be able to take that power plant and transmission and move to another vehicle very easily and it work. And then you have air conditioning and fuel injection and you could put remote start on it. The drivability of that and their performance and fuel economy is absolutely awesome. So long story short, the aftermarket industry figured out that those engines you can put in about everything. So you'll find them in Ford Mustangs, you'll find them in Jeeps, Um, And obviously they were never designed to be in anything but that. But because they're so easy to deal with and so compatible, the aftermarket world has figured out how to take that really good solid power plant out and put in older vehicles, which is exactly what you guys are talking about. So um, the curveball is, is in order to get it back, either you're a purist and you want everything original. So you want the original carburetor. So me talking about putting an Edelbrock carburetor on it, that's sacrilege, if you will. Or you're kind of like me where I want fuel injection. I want it to start and run when it's cold. I want 25 miles to the gallon. I don't want to smell raw, unburnt fuel coming out the tailpipe because I don't have the choke set correct. The computer does all that and you can have it in an old vehicle which is really cool. So all the other stuff still needs to be done, the brakes, the tires, all that stuff. But you can have a modern power plant in a classic vehicle. So it's like the best of both worlds. You still get the square body, the classic, the gauges, the bells, the knobs, all the cool character. But you get a dependable, very nice driving, riding vehicle because you have a modern power plant and transmission in it. So one way or the other, whatever you guys decide, you're going to be in good shape. But being able to LS swap something like that is something you guys ought to at least think about. Because money-wise, you can probably buy a used, good-running LS engine transmission and put in there cheaper than you can rebuild what you have I right was now. just about to ask that. I'm like, okay, this all sounds great, mm-hmm. but what's the cost we're talking here? So it really depends kind of what you have going on with yours right now. You know, if the cylinders and stuff are in good shape and you can just surely get the heads done and put head gaskets in it, the cost won't be all that crazy. However, if you've got a completely get new pistons, have it bored out, potentially crank rod bearings, whatever the case may be. There's a lot of unknowns there. You can a lot of times go or source one out of a salvage yard and you get it 80, 100,000 miles. Maybe it was rear-ended or wrecked or whatever happened, but the engine or transmission is still good. You basically get all that 
and they have a what's uh, the company's called painless wiring harness, but it'll come with a module and a very easy click, uh, you know, push to connect. Uh, you don't have to do the wiring, so it's not very difficult to deal with. A standalone engine management system, hook powers and grounds to it, you know, a couple other key, ignition, etc., etc., and then you reach in and tap the key and it fires up. And it runs smooth. It doesn't have a lot of unburned fuel. It ha- It's in fuel control or adaptive uh, fuel control to where if it's running rich, it'll lean it out if it's running, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but the LS swap is definitely something to think about. But Sarah and I are going to step into a break. If you've got something LS, give us a message. Let us know whether this may be a good fit or not. Sarah and I will be back in a moment. Your complete car care solution. A1 Custom Car Care. All right, welcome back. We got just a little time, Sarah and Dustin, A1 Custom Car Care. Um, it's amazing the mileage you can get out of a car anymore. So, you know, for years when the cars were carbureted, you know, if you got 100,000 out of one, it was a big deal. Big, big deal. It was worn out at that point. Fuel injected really changed the game. And even as we continue to go on, you know, Sarah, for you to get 100, 200, 300,000, that's not really a big deal anymore. I've talked many times, Our I need to look at our shop truck, but our shop truck's probably 350 or better. It is the original engine, by the way. I've had many trucks that I've done three, 400. Several of them I have put engines in. Now, in fairness, I didn't own those trucks um, prior, and that probably led to the engine failure. So usually I buy them after the engine's bad, and then I fix them, and I drive another two or 300,000. Uh, but if you will care for your vehicle, um, whether you do the care yourself or if you've got a shop that'll do it, at a very high level, you can get hundreds of thousands of miles and years and decades, if you will, out of your vehicle. So even if you've got one that's been sitting a while, you know, in the very interim or the beginning of it, you will work and put a ton of money in a thing right up front. I mean, it's almost like this money pit, if you will. And I've done this for years on any of the vehicles I've bought or um, friends and family or customers have, you know, brought them in that they, you know, at the beginning, it seems like we're working, 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 doing all kinds of stuff to it. Because as you drive it, you're working the bugs out of it, basically. So, you know, the first trip is around the block and then we bring it back in and deal with whatever we found. And we do that several times. And then sometimes, you know, we drive it around the bigger block and then, you know, down the road into town and get fuel in it or whatever. Uh, But it's kind of a process, I guess, is what I'm getting at, Sarah. Are you prepared for this process? Absolutely. And it's going to be one of those things where, one, we're not going to do everything overnight. Right. Two, we have a good place to store it. Excellent. And so it's not going to be setting out in the field, Mm -hmm. in the inclement weather anymore. And so we're really prepared for it. And three, you know, we're in the process of of saving money to make sure that Mm -hmm. we can get all of the things done that need to be done right then and there. And then, you know, if we need to save up a little bit more, you know, we'll just do yeah. it. We'll, yeah. It'll be a work in progress. So one of the good things, and I'm sure from our discussions, and I'm, I'm mainly bringing this up to share it with everybody out there, a lot of times folks think that if they're going to park a vehicle for a while, they need to put a tarp over top of it. And that's, I understand why people think that, but it actually holds the moisture in on the vehicle all the time and it rots or rusts it drastically more. So if you are going to sit a vehicle, 
it, it stinks with it getting kind of weathered or, or patinaed to our, our discussion earlier. But the sun fade and the rust that comes along with it of just being out in the elements is much better for the vehicle than if you put a tarp on it. So if you're looking at a vehicle that's been tarped, it will be in worse shape than a vehicle that hasn't, even if it's sat for years and years and years. So just FYI, this is kind of just an educational thing. Um, you do not want to tarp a vehicle if it's going to be sitting around. Does that make sense? It does. Okay, so I know that we're doing just kind of an overview yeah. of restoring. So after I get my brakes and my tires mm -hmm. and my spark plugs and fix the head gasket and <laughs> yep. blah, 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 blah. So what about restoring the inside? I know that's kind of a little ways off from uh -huh. what A1 does. You guys obviously are not, you don't restore vehicles. And right. Well, and, and for certain folks over the years, it's not that we can't. We just choose to put our efforts in the area that right. we're specialized in. But certain customers we have over the years, you know, you can order, um, you know, reconditioned seats or have your seats pulled out, have a good upholstery shop redo that. There's specific upholstery shops for those reasons. Um, but on that particular vehicle, a lot of it is chrome or can be chrome. So you can order a lot of that stuff. So really the only thing in there, I'm sure it's got metal floors in it. There's probably mm -hmm. no carpet or anything like that, maybe a floor mat. But you can pull the seats out, have new cushions put in them, have them recovered, really kind of make that old seat new again, which is really awesome. And then the rest of it is all stuff you pretty much can order or bolt on or, or, or uh, you know, screw on, whatever it is. Um, so on those, the other thing is, is that was a popular vehicle. You run into issues when you find some off-the-wall, very rare vehicle, which sometimes that's sought after, but there's not a lot of aftermarket support. This particular, you know, any of your old Chevy's Ford Dodges, for the most part, were popular enough that there's still a lot of companies making things. So, for instance, Sarah, if you want mirrors or seat or headlight bezels or um, you want new covers for the uh, cab lamp inside the truck, um, you know, uh, new chrome trim pieces around the gauges, new gauge clusters, that LMC truck, a lot of it that you can order. Okay. And so you can get um, most of that stuff. Um, if you can recondition or re-clean um, it and paint it or whatever, the factory stuff, it'll be better quality than a lot of the aftermarket stuff you're getting. So some of that may be just scrubbing and painting it or putting it back on, um, but that is the material was good enough that you could do that with. Nowadays, a lot of things are, you know, a one one and done kind of thing, if that makes any right. sense. Right, yeah, and I do want to clarify, because I know that there's probably somebody out there that is like, you're going to restore this whole vehicle. Yep. And I am one of those people where I love to keep as much old as possible. Okay. So do want to clarify that. I'm okay with with new things, but I do love to restore just because of the sentimental yeah. value. Um, sometimes it's cost saving, mm -hmm. but I just love the original aspect of things. So if I can restore a lot of it, oh, I'm yeah. going to. But I know that I think that, you know, there's some tears in the seat. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a it's a um, bed seat is, mm -hmm. or bench, bench seat. Thank yep. you. Um, so I believe that there is some pretty big tears in it that I don't know if I'll be able to fix. So I will probably have to get it fixed. So one of my favorite upgrades on a bench seat, and I've only had a couple of trucks and it actually wasn't my idea. I bought a truck and it had it in it. But when I send them in to get reupholstered now, if I'm going to spend the money, 
I have a loop put in the back of the bench seat because the bench seat folds forward. Mm-hmm. Um, but I always have the extra material brought down and sewn to where there's kind of a pocket in there, probably about six, eight inches. But I use that to be able to store a rifle in the back of the bench oh, that's seat. that's smart. And I, like I said, it was not my idea. Um, but once I bought that truck and it had it in there, I thought, man, this is a brilliant idea because it's not hanging in the back glass for everybody to see. Right. But especially in a farm situation, if you get in a situation that you need it, it's it's in its spot in the truck and it's there, it's safe, it's taken care of. Uh, but if you're going to spend the money to have the seat done, that would be my one thing. New cushions, have the loop put in there so you can slide a rifle right Duly in the noted, back seat. yes. So that's just a uh, like a, a weird thing. Um, but once you have it, you know, I never want to have another truck without it. Yeah, well, I'm really excited about all of this. This is something that I've wanted to do for at least, well, Ryan and I have been together for five and a half years now. So I know it's probably mm-hmm. been almost five <laughs> oh, and a yeah. half years. Since day one, that was yes. part of the deal. Well, huh? you know, it was one of the first dates that we had was we went out to the uh, family farm and went uh-huh. fishing. Yes, that was a big That's thing a for us. great first date. Yeah. Well done, Ryan. So, well done. Yeah. And it's, uh, you know, we did the whole drive-in movie thing mm-hmm. and every time i would see that vehicle one it just it's got that homey sentimental yep. feel but two i always thought man if we could get that up and running that Absolutely. would be great for the drive-in yeah. be great to have around the farm so i'm just i'm very excited to get started with this it'll be something that i keep listeners updated mm-hmm. with i'll probably ask you a ton of questions oh, yeah, on air talk about it this has yeah. been a blast and i think that also you know this is very helpful you know right now we are dealing with not being able to find vehicles mm-hmm. that we are wanting to find, whether it is a new vehicle or even a pre-owned vehicle. Yeah. It's just, it's been difficult. So this is another really great option for somebody who might be in a situation yeah. where they do need a vehicle relatively soon. Well, and I don't think we're, you know, anywhere close to that being over, you know, the scarcity or the ability, if nothing else, I think it's honestly getting a little worse as of 2022 and the start of you know, we're probably, I was initially thinking we had another year, year and a half of all this, but I'm beginning to think maybe yeah. it's going to be longer. The other side of this is that vehicle now um, and has for a long time, the value of that is going up drastically. So the investment you and Ryan do make into it, I know you guys are never going to sell it, but the money is going to be there. So it's not like you're just, you know, investing in something. The value is there, you know, and it's going to continue growing and growing and growing. So I think it's really wise to do that. You know, you're not at that point where you buy a new vehicle and it depreciates big time. You're going to take something that is an absolute American iconic classic vehicle who has already kind of taken its slump. You know, at one point in time, that vehicle wasn't worth hardly what scrap price was. But now the demand and the value of that is going up and up and up and up. So I'm really excited when you kind of bring one back and put it back on the road. I'm excited, too. And I'll make sure to give updates. Uh, Unfortunately, we are out of time. I know. So if you have any questions or comments out there, you can shoot a text message to us, 417-447-5743. Or you can reach out to us on our Facebook page or Getter. Both of those are at 1041 KSGF. Dustin, I hope you have a good rest of your weekend. Absolutely. Be safe. Bye.